This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello, and welcome to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host for today, Casey Kaiser. I support strategy and insights for new partnerships at Acadia, specifically around social media, PPC, and SEO. And I'm filling in for your regular host, Kiri Masters, this week. Today, I'm speaking with Rebecca Yee, who is Acadia's new head of influencer. Rebecca came over to Acadia from WPP's Village Marketing, where she was a director and led a large division of influencer business. Prior to that, she was at Edelman and Ogilvy. Rebecca was attracted to Acadia because she can build a modern version of influencer marketing within Acadia's very unique service model. Rebecca brings over a decade of experience in digital transformation and social marketing strategy and has spent most of her career focused on growing influencer marketing divisions. Her experience includes working with consumer-focused brands across a variety of industries, including health and wellness, CPG, food and bev, alcohol and spirits, tech, finance, beauty, and more. Prior clients include the Coca-Cola Company, TJ Maxx, Samsung, Nestle's Gerber, White Claw, Corksicle, Seated App, Unest, and more. Rebecca's unique background has also equipped her to integrate influencer marketing into omni-channel brand strategies that drive trackable impact and data-driven insights. She works with her brands to create and execute strategies that can successfully intersect authentic brand storytelling and performance data to deliver results-driven ROI to her clients. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hello. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I know that we've had the chance to work together on a handful of clients recently, and I know I've been learning a lot and you've added so much value to the team already. So really excited to chat today. Of course, today we're talking about influencer marketing, and there are certainly a number of different ways that brands can leverage influencers, and it seems to be continuously evolving like many other areas of digital marketing. So Rebecca, maybe we should start by giving a brief background of how you ended up in the influencer marketing space. Yeah, sure. It's not the most interesting story, but I do feel like it's interesting in the fact that, you know, I did stumble into it. I was working as a digital marketing strategist for the first half of my career at Ogilvy. And when I left there and went to go work for Edelman, which is a PR agency, they really hired me for my social and digital background, but my understanding in traditional PR as well. So really specifically for these bigger clients that had more of those integrated marketing channel models in it. And so while I was working on that, this is when influencer marketing was really new, but I was working with sitting on the brand marketing team, but working with like digital, paid media, B2B, all of these different types of practices within the agency and noticed that everyone was working on influencer in some capacity, but nobody was necessarily talking about it. There wasn't really a POV or a strategy. I mean, this was really early on. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times too, because it wasn't any team specialty, people wouldn't know how to necessarily manage it or communicate it or know what to do with the budget. So I just kept raising my hand for those opportunities. I was very new at the time. I didn't have too much on my plate quite yet. It was month one. And when people were frantically being like, does anybody have time to help us? I was like, I will do this. I will do this. And so that's really how it started. Once I did that, it really kicked off 
a lot of the opportunities that came my way. I was just willing to take it, willing to learn from it, started working with the LA office, the Chicago office, the New York office. And I was the one influencer expert eventually in the Atlanta office and started essentially working with all of the different geos locations to build the US influencer practice. And then from there, that's when I sort of knew that I was very interested in this career path and I wanted to pursue it and really seeing what it was able to do, wanted to see where else I could take it. And so that's just the short version of how I really landed and fell into influencer marketing. But yeah. No, I love that. I think that type of entry point into like a new space is so important to like raise your hand and look for those opportunities because it is crazy to think that, you know, influencer marketing really wasn't a thing like 15 years ago or so. Like it was, I guess, in a different way, but not the way it is today on socials. That's cool to hear. So I guess diving into like the hard hitting questions, if you will. I mean, I know folks are really curious about this because I probably talk to roughly 20 brands a week or so. And influencer marketing seems to always get brought up. And I would say the number one question I get asked is always around, okay, how do you know if a campaign is working? How do you measure success? So would love to hear more about your perspective on that piece, since I know it can be such a touchy subject sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's a good one. And it you're right. Like we've been in so many calls and every client, of course, it's like the biggest question. And also the answer is semi-multi-pronged. And so I'll kind of go through my thoughts. I mean, there are a few different ways. And I think the most obvious way is by working with the readily available data that they have. So we can track things like you know, follower growth on the brand's own channels that the influencers kind of helps spike or the reach of the influencers content and all of their engagement metrics of like their likes and comments and saves. And if you have like link clicks or you do any paid social on top of that and boost it further, we have metrics for that. So Mm -hmm. you can track, you know, even promo code sales, things like that. But that said, the second part to answer that question is, measuring success and how we do it or how we understand it. And to really understand that, we have to also understand that when influencer marketing is done correctly, it provides much more value than what can be shared just with the data. I mean, the data is so important. I'm a data junkie, but when it comes to why influencer marketing works so well compared to all of the different other channels beyond the data, it's because influencers feel like they're your friend. They provide not just brand awareness, but brand awareness that comes with a lot of credibility, a lot of trust already built in with their followers, a relationship that's been built that goes both ways, right? And so I don't know if this is a little cliche to mention, but you know the marketing rule of seven, Mm -hmm. where it basically says that any prospect customer needs to encounter the brand's or the advertiser's message at least seven times before they take action to buy that product or service. Well, with influencer marketing, that's different. I feel like other marketing channels need at least seven, but with influencer, it can cut it down to half of that. You see that now with TikTok a lot where things will just sell out completely because of one viral video. And that's really the power that influencers can hold. It's the trust that we have with them. So when they recommend something, we believe it instantly. That's super interesting and like really powerful because yeah, I feel like It's always preached the multi-touch is just so important when it comes to marketing and introducing a brand that even one post that can go viral can create that. I'm curious 
to kind of, you know, thinking about, you know, these e-commerce brands, will they'll sell out from one influencer post and is that sustainable or what are your thoughts on what next? Yeah. I mean, and I'm not necessarily saying like going viral is how we measure success. I'm sorry. I totally should have clarified that. Sorry. What I mean and why I even brought it up is to say that we often look at influencer as a add-on to a campaign that we have with paid media or as an amplification tactic. But I really see influencer as its own channel. That's something that we have to have, something that we have to have similar to having the brand's owned Instagram page. Because just like own social works together in so many ways, it helps build community, content, having that parent hub where people can learn information about the brand, legitimacy, all of those things that we talk about with own social. And then what we talk about with SEO, like those things work better together. And sometimes SEO is going to have a more efficient CPM, but influencer will drive more relevancy or just a hypothetical example. And so influencer really needs to be an always on strategy to a brand. That's what I really believe because it's not just a paid media like ROAS driving channel. It's not just a brand awareness driving channel. It really helps amplify everything. So in that sense, measuring success needs to be looked at differently. I don't know necessarily that there is a right formula quite yet on how we really grasp how much influencers is doing for a brand because there's so many unspokens. And that's why we heavily rely on all sorts of data right now. And that's why we try to speak about it in the ways that we do of like the roles of the different tiers and the different channels influencers and, you know, not all fashion influencers are created equally and content creator versus a true social media personality. And that's why we have to talk about those things consistently and kind of educate as the industry kind of continues to evolve. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like being really intentional about what the goal is and what we're tying it back to. But I think you bring up a good point around content creators and influencers and how that landscape has changed. And I think this is a good segue to the next question around that. So I know myself and I'm sure a lot of the listeners here spend a lot of time throughout the day on LinkedIn. And there's a number of thought leaders on social that I follow in this space. One to mention, Jack Appleby. And he posted recently that cap cut, which is essentially a video editing tool. I think at the time he posted it, it was the number two most downloaded free app, like above TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And it leads to this idea that the average human is so interested in being a creator that they're teaching themselves how to edit video. And like, how do you think this will impact the demand for influencers versus authentic UGC or user-generated content creators? Yeah, I love that question. I think that it's a great tool for influencers, but what it's doing is giving tools for anyone who wants to up their game for production. I think it's another great way, these CapCut, not just the app, but like the templates, you know, that are integrated into TikTok. It's so easy to use. It's so easy and quick to hop on a trend that is going viral. But it also gives at your fingertips the power to allow anyone to story tell in a smart way. You don't need to have gone to school for video production or video editing if you just want to have a TikTok post. Mm-hmm. And that's your goal because you have a story to tell or some content to share. And I think that it empowers people who might not have had the 
typical influencer, maybe profile five years ago, the opportunity to tell their story differently. It expands the space. It gives more diversity and allows people in a lot of different types of communities and niches and interests to have their own influencer community. I can see why it also seems like people just want to go viral because it's cool to have like a little bit of cloud and to become an influencer and get free things. But I also do think it's just one of those things that make it more accessible for us to get as much content out there, even if it's just sharing it with your friends and family, similar to how when Instagram released its filters and like Snapchat lenses, and we would just go crazy with those. I think CapCut can also just be a fun thing for a lot of people too. Yeah, I love that. And it's definitely, I think, yeah, just adds to the whole idea that the more folks and like diversity and people that are out there creating content, it just makes it better in the ultimately in the end. I think that's great. Something else that I think seems to be changing. So of course, there's the whole cap cut and more folks and the influencer communities are certainly growing. But then I think what comes with that and how over these last five years, even it used to be easy, maybe the wrong word, but it used to be a scenario where you could just gift your product or it wasn't as maybe costly to work with a handful of influencers. And so I know we see that this is constantly changing. And so I think my question from that is, would you say gifting influencers is still a relevant strategy for brands? Yes, but I think to an extent. So I do think that it does depend on the value of the gift, mm-hmm. the so the price point and what the product is and the brand's reputation. Maybe they're super well-known or maybe they're like a luxury brand and it's iconic and it's aspirational. So that's how I feel like gifting still kind of works today. I do think that sometimes like it's a very fair trade-off. Mm-hmm. I think where the conversation gets brought up a lot is when it's unfair. And a lot of times because of things like TikTok and because influencers have a huge platform, we totally understand and see how some brands can be unfair to influencers. Oftentimes, I don't even think it's intentional. I think they just don't know like, hey, would you like our cool product that I think is cool? And let's trade for like three posts. And they're like, absolutely not. This is my full-time job. It takes two days to even concept a video or something like that, you know? But I do think from the brand's perspective too, they are also proponents and they have marketing dollars and they want to promote a product. They want to get the word out. They're willing to work with an influencer. And sometimes not all influencers are the same either. Some are fantastic to work with. And so sometimes there's a mismatch and those stories get out there. But I do think that gifting when done the right way can still be a strategic approach, but it has to be authentic because there's no paid behind it. There's no contract behind it. And so brand really is technically risking that they won't even post about it or mention it for it to get posted about. So it could waste the effort they put into gifting. And I do think too, for a brand starting out, maybe they don't have a reputation yet it's really going to be important for you to really understand and know the influencer that you're gifting to. So really be strategic in your gifting recommendations. Don't just mass send it out and then don't ask for the world either. You know, it's got to be, we really feel like this product will resonate with this person because we saw XYZ content and you need to be able to bring that honesty and that transparency to start building a relationship with that influencer. You have no idea what they'll say 
yes to or no to, and it really could resonate with them. I had a really, really big influencer who literally her agent was like, we don't take any gifts. We don't take any PR packages. We don't care that it's free. We don't care that it's expensive. And then I was like, oh, okay. The only reason we wanted to gift it to her, like no posting obligations necessary is because we saw her eating this $7 food product in her YouTube video. And she said she really loved it. And honestly, we just wanted to send her some more because it's a small brand and we're excited to see it. And they're like, oh my God, yes, that is her favorite. She mentions it to us all the time. And so immediately they sent us her address and she didn't post about it necessarily, but she was doing like a grocery store haul and it was in there. It is sold in that store. And so it was an organic way that she showed her followers because we were like, okay, we're sending it to you from this store. And so I think she just like pulled it out of essentially her like grocery delivery bag. And it was just so cool because that's the kind of relationship that we're trying to match with brands and influencers. It really has to be an authentic fit. And I think that's where a lot of people start seeing the strain or the obstacles that they come across because it might be an influencer that feels like it was unfair of them to be asked for something, or it might be a brand who feels like, oh, we gave hundreds and hundreds of dollars to this person. We were expecting posts and they're like, it wasn't authentic to me. So I didn't post about it. This podcast is brought to you by Acadia, a trusted partner for challenger brands who are looking to make the best use of every marketing dollar, whether that is through SEO, performance media, Amazon and retail media, analytics, or organic social. To learn more, visit acadia.io. That's A-C-A-D-I-A dot I-O. Yeah, I think that's, first of all, I mean, such a huge win too. And I think really proves that gifting is still relevant. And then, of course, though, it is very much a sort of pay to play realm as well now for brands and marketers. And so with that, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, the influencer, there's concepting around the content that they create. And, you know, with that, how would you say a brand should be like, what's your point of view on how is that super collaborative, or you just let them do their thing or for paid or for gifting? For the pay to play piece now, kind of shifting to like, okay, when you are paying an influencer and it's less of a, a gift and we just want them to gift it when it's sort of more of a paid partnership, how does that change? Yeah. I mean, influencers, there's types who are specifically content creators, like they're good at video production and they use their page as more of like a portfolio. And so if you're looking for content creators, they have that. If you're looking for a thought leader, they have that. If you're looking for someone to just talk about it and integrate it into their lives, if it's a product they love, they have that. You can find someone, right? And so I think what we have to make sure for paid content, or I strongly believe Mm -hmm. what we need to make for paid content with influencers is ensure that their authenticity is still shining through. I think a lot of times we get nervous and we want it to all sound kind of scripted to every single brand point in the brief. And maybe brands might direct that in hopes that it'll sound just like the script that's laid out, or they don't want anything that isn't an exact brand fit to end up in their content. But the thing is, the audience can spot that so easily, they sniff it from a mile away, and it won't resonate with them. And That hurts the influencer too. It hurts the influencer. It hurts the content that you paid for if you don't let them do their thing. And so when we present an influencer as like, hey, this person is 
so good. They're going to be great for your brand. They're fit because X, Y, Z, and the brand loves them and everything. Let them do their thing, but to an extent. Like if they're a comedian and they always make videos in this comedic skit approach, then you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a piece of content that weaves the brand into some kind of hilarious comedic skit. Or if you see an influencer who never shows their face, their whole thing is that they never show their face. They only show where they're going. It's a POV kind of view type thing. Then you know that the content that they deliver to you won't show their face. And so we can't ask them to do these things because it's not just about, oh, we paid for them. We should get what we want. But it's like, if you want it to work the best for your brand, you have to trust that the influencers know what's going to work best on their channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense because it's so true. I feel like I know I follow a ton of influencers and the only reason why I do is because I trust them. And obviously, when you see a sponsored post, you know, there's a little bit they're getting paid for it, of course, but because of the way they select the brands that they work with, it's like, okay, well, if they're working with this brand, then it must be good because I know that they curate the types of partnerships that they have. So yeah. That's a good point because I think too, I've gotten a question of, well, if it's paid and it's not organic, then they know it's an ad and authenticity factor loses. It's like, well, no, because a lot of influencers have also stuck to the fact Mm -hmm. that they will work with brands that they trust, they care about, they're fans of, they'll try the product. And honestly, a lot of them, they're telling the truth. Whenever we reach out to influencers, they're like, and it's, let's say it's a beauty product or something, a moisturizer. They're like, you have to give me at least 60 days to try the product repeatedly for me to agree to do some kind of content because they really do value the quality of content. And also if it's not a good product or it doesn't work for them and they don't see them using this product organically ever again or reaching for it ever again, their day ones, their really engaged fans and followers are going to notice that too. And I think these influencers now too are even more hyper aware than the influencers I worked with even starting out. And so as these things advance more and more, you're going to see a lot more of that. You're right. When I see influencers too, who even just work with the brand, I'm starting to regain this understanding that, oh, they must trust this brand or they tried it. Or even though it's sponsored, I absolutely do trust what they're saying, or at least it's a quality brand. Yeah. It's such a good point to bring up and it starts to, especially with skincare for sure. And I know makeup, especially it's influencers is sort of a necessity, but to your point as a consumer and as, you know, following these people that were, you were day one or you were following Alex Earl before she hit her million follower mark and you see these products that they're using and how they can start to have these different brand partnerships. And it leads me to the question around brand trips, because I know this is another type of strategy within influencer marketing, but it's such a kind of polarizing topic right now, I feel with these brand trips that are going viral. And then let's say a makeup brand sends these 10 influencers on a brand trip and the videos that the influencer are posting, there's some instances where they're using different products that weren't the product that like sent them on the brand trip. So I guess with that and just how it seems controversial right now. So I would just love to hear your take on brand trips and if you think that they're worth it. Yeah. So I think that move of just allowing the influencers to, I think essentially it wasn't even a move. They're just like, hey, come on this brand trip with us. 
you're not obligated to only show us, like just do your own natural thing. I actually love that. Mm -hmm. I think one of the influencers, I believe, admitted, she was like, I can't believe I didn't think of that, of what I was showing when I was editing it. Of course, I was using the brand's products, but it's just how I pieced together the video and they allowed us to use our typical products too. And so I just reached for the things that I typically use, but I definitely mixed in all of the cool things that we were getting. And I wouldn't have gone if I wasn't familiar with the brand in the first place, but I absolutely was. And so I think that actually worked for them, to be honest, because at least for the influencers, it got Tarte's name out there too. They went viral. But for the influencers, I feel like they established even further trust. Like, oh, we know exactly what they use now. Oh, we know when they use this. Oh, we know if they're going to be using this in later videos. It continued to establish trust. Now, brand trips, are they worth it? I think that a lot of the brand trips we see on our socials are very fashion heavy or beauty heavy. Like they do the amazing Dubai's and the Wyoming's and the tropical, like in Mexico beaches and all of that. I honestly haven't done as many events like that in my past. However, I've done a lot of events that were smaller scaled, but had more intentionality in a different way. I do think brand trips can be worth it. There's so many different ways that you can play it. What does a brand want the influencer to take away after the trip and then designing the experience around it and also ensuring that it resonates with what the audience will take away too? Right. So when we think of influencer events, you know, they look so aspirational and luxurious or whatever, but Honestly, you can do an event where it's really educational or immersive or relationship building or community building with the other influencers that you're working with too. And all of you guys believe in this brand or want to work with this brand. It also helps you put names to faces of the brand reps that you're working with all the time, the marketing team, the CEO, the CMO. And in the past, I have an example. I worked with a food brand, Mm -hmm. a baby food brand. And one of the events that we planned for were all of our long-term influencer partners were coming to this event to essentially meet the organic farm that all of the produce, fruits, and veggies that go into this baby food are sourced from. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions um, prior to whether it was great quality. And so this event was really designed to show the influencers that we were working with first and foremost before we try to push it onto them as messaging points, show our influencer partners that we value where it all starts. And so we got to talk to the main farmer. We got to talk to all of the marketing team that they work with on a daily basis. And everyone got to see the farm and stay at this cute little bed and breakfast and hang out with each other because technically they've all been part of this brand's campaign for a year. And this was their first time all meeting each other. And so it was really community building. It was intentional, educational. It was good for both the brand and the influencers. Now, the influencers walk away and when they're filming content or when they're talking about certain things, they really understand where their brand's coming from and they're not just regurgitating messaging points from a brief. And so it was really helpful. I feel like it became authentic almost even to the next level overnight. And they were already doing so great. They already loved the brand when we approached them. They already knew about the brand and were fans of it because those are the people we want to work with anyway. But this event just kind of amplified that to the next degree. That is such a fantastic example. And I think that I know myself and maybe some of our listeners, when I think of a brand trip, I think of the beauty and fashion and those types of trips. But 
that is such a fantastic example from like a food and bev perspective because one, just that community building and educational piece and it's not pushy. I mean, those are the type of partnerships that everyone's kind of striving to look for and everyone wants that sense of community. And it's such a authentic way to integrate the influencers into the whole mission behind the brand. So I think that's really cool and very innovative. And so I know I have just a few more questions. So I think one thing that maybe some of our listeners who aren't necessarily doing any influencer marketing at the moment, what advice do you have for a brand you know, that's just starting to craft a campaign with influencers for the first time? Mm, I would say for smaller brands that are just small to medium-sized brands who are just starting out with influencers is be intentional and try to build relationships with influencers that really speaks to your company and your brand's mission. Mm-hmm. Grow with them. Maybe you're working with someone with less than 50,000 Instagram followers or something, but they just really are authentic fans of your brand and you see their videos all the time because they're tagging you or you see their, you run or you stumble across their piece of content on your TikTok FYP and you're like, wow, this person loves our brand and would be so great for it. And just start there. And then also don't just work with them for the sake of working with influencers, but really be clear on each piece of content and what the goal is and stick to that goal because we can't as much as we want to, unless it's a long form video content, you don't have that much time to get everything across. So just be very simple. And then you can do a second post that states something else or something like that, but have a very clear plan with what you want to do, because that will also ensure that you're getting the most efficient cost too, because you're clear on what you want for each post. And then you're able to track it back to your KPIs. And so just rounding it back out that even though influencer marketing is seems very, you know, Hollywood and glitz and glam all the time and luxurious, which it totally is. It's so fun. It's awesome. I love my job. The other part is track what you're doing from the very beginning so you can know what's working and optimize it and really have that strategy work for you and also have a community of influencers who love working with you too. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think the next question I have or the last question, which I'm excited to hear your thoughts is, it's sort of a broad question. Where do you think the influencer space is headed? Or in other words, like what excites you most about the future of influencers? So I think right now what I'm seeing, so immediate near future is more and more deeper collaborations with the brand. So I know I talked about building your relationship with your long-term influencers and influencers building relationships with the brands they work with or the agency partners that they work with Mm -hmm. as being important. But now you're also seeing that more and more there's integration into their actual marketing campaigns. I just saw Alex Earl in the Victoria's Secret. She was like modeling pieces. Like she was on their website and she's done a ton of that. And using her as my next example too, because we've just been talking about her this whole whole episode is the Amino Lean yep. energy drink. That was so cool because she actually drinks that and she found it on Amazon and she's like, yeah, this is really good. And then next thing you know, like a couple months later, 
She has her own collaboration product line. That stuff is so authentic and that's so cool. And that's why it keeps selling out, honestly. It's because she loves it and everyone knew that and the brand made that work for them. You know, they put a big idea together. They made her involved with the process and that's how it turns out. And so I love seeing more of that because especially when it's authentic and real and smart. And so that's what I'm seeing now in in the immediate future. A little bit further into the future, I'm interested to see what role artificial intelligence or AI will play in the marketing industry as a whole, but specifically influencer marketing. Because I even saw not too long ago that there is an AI person that is an influencer on, I think it was Instagram or something. I'm sure there's multiple now, but they've built up a following and they're totally, completely fake. I don't know how AI is going to change it, change the industry, but I'm just excited that this is this new technology that's kind of disrupting everything in everyone's lives. Like there's been so much talk about it. And so I'm just kind of keeping my ears and eyes open for how it starts to evolve in the influencer space. I love that. It's like, who's going to be the next AI influencer that goes viral and like sells out products. Or yeah, it's super exciting to kind of think about the future and what's there to come. And I think that is a great place to leave it for today. So thank you so much for joining me, Rebecca. It was so nice chatting with you. And thank you for inviting me. I had a great time. Of course, of course. All right. Well, that concludes this week's episode and we'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>